Recording studio at Wimberley Road, welcome to Extraordinary Joes, where we tell the extraordinary stories of ordinary people, just like you and me. Each week, we'll sit down with a special guest and hear the story of their life, career, and lessons they've learned along the way. After spending some time with our guest, you just might realize that your next extraordinary story is well within reach. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's get started. Welcome to another session of Extraordinary Joes. I'm excited to be joined by uh, Buford Girls basketball coach Gene Durden, a uh, longtime coach and a, a longtime friend. I'll let Gene tell you a little bit more about him and his story later. But first, Gene, we're going to dive in with our rapid fire if you are ready. Ready for rapid fire. All right, man. Coffee or tea? Tea. Shoes or sandals? Shoes. A cat, a dog, or a horse cat? Most people don't understand the cool horse cat. Let's, let's go with the horse cat. <laughs> Beach or mountains? Beach. Morning or night? Both. You know, I'm going to go back to the horse cat. I feel like I'm not going to dive too far into it, but I feel like the people are going to be dying to know about this. So I could do a whole show on, um, I don't know what you would call them, like gene-isms? Dirtnisms. Um, that's what the, that's what the, that's okay. what the girls call dirtnisms. I've got some good ones, uh, but the horse cat, if I'm remembering correctly, was, uh, you know, there's a common phrase, you know, you might say, well, that cat was, you know, talking about a guy, right? Like that cat was really fast or that cat could play. And I, I think it was um, that cat was a horse was what your uh, your saying was. Yes. And you kind yes. of you kind of combined um, saying like because you could also say, well, that guy's a horse, like he's a workhorse, he's a hard work, but you combine the two, and and uh, I think it was Blake uh, Bice, maybe, who who turned it into a horse cat, so. Yes, believe me, y'all, y'all even made uh, the famous horse cat. <laughs> that That's right. Okay, so horse cat. All right, uh, mint or gum? Mint. Electric or regular toothbrush? Definitely electric, game <laughs> uh, Up or down? Up. Rise or shine? Shine. All right, Maverick or Goose? Maverick. Yeah, we talked about this earlier. You, you're saying that if you're if you're building a team, you'd rather have you'd rather have Mavericks. I think you got to have uh, risk takers, and Maverick is definitely a risk taker. Right. You know, I I, I say that you know you got to have that kid that ain't scared to take the shot when the game's on the line, man. Something that's like, to me that's just a simple. Yeah. Okay. Hot, regular, or no yoga? I need yoga, believe me, <laughs> but I'm gonna go with no yoga. Have Have you ever Have you ever yoga? Listen, I've tried it, but man, I can't stay that calm. That, that <laughs> okay, all right. Here's some questions I'm really uh, excited to hear the answers to. Um, <laughs> first, uh, if you could take one player in NBA history to start a franchise, who would it be? That'd be Jordan. Okay. All right, here we go. Uh, this I credit this question to my friend Josh White. There's a, a pickup basketball game to save the world. So the the aliens come down. They got their five. They're obviously they're aliens. Um, if you could pick five players to play a game to save the world, who would it be? Tough, tough, tough. What's this? You know, I said Jordan a minute ago. You got to start with Jordan. Okay. 
Mary. I think you got to have a man in the middle. I think you got to go with Kirk. Okay. And then Kobe Bryant, no doubt. Silent Assassin. And then, uh, you know, I, uh, he's not one of my favorites, but I have to respect his game and what he does. I just put him on. All right. Are you still playing pick, morning pickup basketball? We, whenever, we haven't played in a while. Okay. Um, Kobe was doing a lot of the opening gym up in the morning times. And since he had a uh, child, we haven't done it. But, man, I miss it. Start yeah. Okay, Gene. Thanks for playing along with Rapid Fire. Could you? Are you playing the harp while we're meeting? Because if you are, I, we need to talk about that. That's a crazy phone. My wife is on me all the time <laughs> because I'm too. I'm not technology advanced enough to know how to turn off the sound <laughs> at some points and all that. So listen, that thing it is people trying to get to me. I'm get to me. All right. Hey, uh, could you tell the, the audience a little bit about um, who you are and and your backstory, Gene? I'd be glad to. Gene uh, Durden, born in a uh, small country town called Midville in South Georgia. Uh, always had a passion for the game of basketball. I loved it. My mother got me hooked on it. My dad didn't have anything for me. He had a uh, fifth grade education, so he knew nothing about sports. My mom loved the game of basketball with that passed it on to me. Uh, not a great uh, athlete at all, and I still had to work myself to death to become an average player. And from that point on, um, just fell in love with it. Was a worker, went on playing a small junior college in Brunswick, Georgia. Yeah, that you're familiar with. Coached a lot. Loved that. Always knew I was going to be a coach. Uh, came out of uh, Brunswick and had a couple options to be like an assistant coach, but I thought I knew it all, so I went to a small private school in Thomasville called Brookwood, uh, where I was the head boys coach, head girls coach, no JVs, no assistants, and did a just so many numerous things. But it was the best thing in the world. Spent three years there, learned how to do everything with wrapping ankle, driving bus, redo a floor to, to all of it because you had no help. Uh, from there, went to Dade County. Up in the mountains of northwest Georgia, uh, an unbelievable town. Stayed there 14 years at a great, great situation there with basketball, with girls' basketball. The kids there had nothing to do but play basketball, fell in love with it, and man, they worked. Helped me so much. Uh, then was looking for a great place to put my four children and ended up. Taking a job at Beaver High School and been there ever since. Been at Beaver now 15 years. Wow. And is, is my number correct that you're uh, eight state championships now? Eight state championships. Been, been that elected. Can we, we talk a little bit about um, what do you think the – so naturally, naturally when you have the success that you've had, and this has been going on um, for several years, you know, people are curious about, you know, how – how are you having the success and how can I replicate it is kind of the question. Um, I guess anytime you see somebody successful, if you want to reach that level, it's a natural question to say, well, what are they doing and and how can I do it? Um, are there some things that you feel like have been the sort of consistent reasons for your success there at Buford? Well, I think a lot of my success was that I got placed in the right places, in the right order. Okay. Now that sounds crazy, but all right, going back, and I just thank God, little bliss, when I put me in the right situation, but just going back to the 
had to come up with a plan to, to really try to, to win basketball games. Got so much experience. I probably got in those three years, got 10 years experience. Mm. And then I go to Dade County. And man, I, I went into Dade County and met a coach there named Alan Law, the boys coach. And he changed everything. Not everything, but met a lot of things in the way I look at basketball. Unbelievable practice guy. Unbelievable about putting drills together, series of drills and all that. Picked up a lot of the parts that I still use today and our foundations of our program. And it, it was just a blessing that I was with him and learned so much through him. Also, the type of kid I had at Dade County was a mountain-type kid, toughness. And that's where I kind of learned the philosophy of looking at my environment and trying to figure out what I needed to do to be successful with that environment. So there, put together two pretty much real easy parts of, of what I feel like is reason for my success is things that we can control. And two of those things was, you know, you can control playing harder. Yeah. And so, you know, people don't understand how they hear it all the time. Oh, we play hard and I can watch them. You know, right? yeah. uh, my idea of playing hard and you playing hard is totally different. So, we really bought the kids bought into this idea of really with a certain identity of playing hard. And the other thing is, is how fundamental sound is basketball because basketball is a game of fundamentals. Yeah. Now, people teach fundamentals differently, but man, when you you got a foundation that's really big, so really and truly, those two things have been anchors for our success. Now, we've kind of developed it to a little bit more details, a little bit more of you know, a little bit different parts and everything else, but that's really kind of how we got started. And now, like I said, we, we've kind of Buford. We've I've been around a lot of great people that's added to our program. You being one of them too. Uh, coaching with me, man, I was thankful for the year I spent with you because you helped bring in a lot of different philosophies. And I've been smart enough. It's been one of the, one thing you think has helped me the most is. I'm always looking to improve, to grow, and get better. Now, I'm set in my ways and what I believe in, but I'm always looking in a way to do it better or a way to improve it. And I listen to it, especially older coaches. Yeah. Hey, uh, real quick, I, I looked the other day, and I was worried that the last time that I was there was the last time that you had not won a state championship. I'm not glad that, that you – had lost an additional state championship, but I was glad to know that I wasn't the last time that you did not win one. Was me being on your staff? <laughs> right. Let me tell you something. You know, we still talk about the day one of the game plans that we went into a, against the loaded Saint Pius team. If you remember, they had Asian oh, yeah. in Division One. And uh, to give you all the credit, we talked about this today. I've never hardly changed anything. If you remember, we went in that year and never practiced it during the season. We put in your one three one, right? And and ran your one three one, and it gave us a chance to win that game. And you know, they I think they ended up beating us by five, but they were truly, definitely more, probably twenty points better than us. So, listen, well, I've learned a huge lesson from that, and, and we give you all the credit for us being able to to even be in that game. And let me tell you what. Sometimes people don't understand. Win a state championship, it getting the end all be all. Man, just just with that game for us to take that group of kids that we took that year and go that far, man, that was a great. Deal. Yeah, that that I look back on that. It was one of the frustrating, may not be the right word, but 
when you feel like, and I guess, I guess you should say that's how it should be. But when you feel like you've, you've, I felt like the game plan, like you said, not, not because of me, but I felt like the game plan that we had. And even for the most part, our kids execution of it was like spot on. And to, so to not come out, to not come out with a win when you feel like you've done everything you can. But I guess that, I guess that is the lesson, right? You've done all you can. You can't hang your head. Right. Let me tell you, I, that's something I say every year now is when I play my final game, when I lose a draw, I want to lay my head down on the pillow and know I did everything I can. That game, that game, guess what? We did everything we can, a couple of plays here or there, might have made the difference. But you know what? I'm just as proud of that team and our coaching staff on that game as I am any state championship we won because, man, we maximized the potential of those kids yeah. and gave ourselves a chance to win. And, and you have, you made me do something I'm not used to doing. <laughs> like I said, I, I gave up on a lot of stuff that we had done and, and uh, that we've been successful with and, and took that idea and went out there and, man, it, it really worked. Speaking of that, Gene, you've got an uncanny ability to, when you talk about maximizing potential, you've got, to me, you've got a, a – a gift at, at sort of wringing everything out in a good way of, of the kids that you coach pulling out the best. What is it you think that you do that allows you to get the most out of these kids that you're coaching? Brian, it's so funny you, you said that. I'm really close. I have a great relationship with our AD now, Tony Wood. We got two ADs. You have Dexter Wood. Which you yeah, yeah. Unbelievable, man. And Tony's kind of now taking over. Me and Tony's got a great relationship. Probably about three years ago, after he left, we were sitting and talking. Tony brought up something that I never thought about. I really haven't coached him. He said, Gene, he said, here's something that you do better than any coach I've seen. Please understand, you know, I try to be humble. I do all the credit everybody else, but this really struck me. He said, you you and your staff were one of some of the only people that take a team and y'all look at what they can do and focus on what each player can do and give to the team. As compared to when most people, when they look at a team, they look at what they can. Right. And, you know, I think that is one of our strong points here, that, uh, that we'll take a kid and maybe she's not a great offensive player or can't shoot it, and we convince that kid that, you know what, you can give us just as much on our pressing system, rebounding and defending, mm. and, uh, you know, and find, find a role for them. We had a kid three years ago that I promised you she could I let her shoot basketball a hundred times. She probably wouldn't hit one. But, uh, but she was a starter for us because, man, she was great on the press. She could attack and get our shooters open, and she was great on the ball defender. And, man, we really made a big deal on how much that she contributed to our season. And she yeah. did. So, you know, some people do. I think that they look at kids and go, well, she can't do this or he can't do that. And I think we're trying to find out what he can do. That's a great point. Another thing that I am, am really intrigued by is is the ability, or, or maybe I should say willingness, to hold your kids accountable to what the program stands for and to what, like you're saying, what you think they can do, even sometimes when they can't see it. But it's not easy, and sometimes it's not pretty. Can you talk a little bit about this, the process of holding your kids accountable to not only to the culture that you have in your program, but also to sort of the, the standard that you're holding them to personally? Well, I think you just hit a key. Uh, speak, I've been lucky enough and blessed enough to speak at a lot of clinics. Everybody wants to talk about culture. You know, culture, I've said this before, is the big buzz yeah. right now in, in the sports. Um, and, you know, I always, I use this all the time. People laugh at it, but I said, man, no 
that's people in those programs, culture is nothing but a snake in our tissue. Mm. That's, that's what they think it is. You know, our guys, family, our sisters, our brothers. Um, culture is probably the single most important reason for our success in our program. And you can ask our kids that. But when you take culture, the whole part about it that I preach to younger coaches and coaches I'm into and all like this is the accountability factor. Because accountability is both physically and more importantly mentally draining. And man, when you walk on the practice floor, and you've been with me before, you've been out on the practice floor, when you won't give an inch on what your beliefs are and what how you're going to hold kids accountable to it, it's tough. And especially it's tougher as you get older as a coach because yeah. you let things slide. What I've been blessed with enough is to put together a staff that's been with me long enough that they believe in the same things. We're all on the same page. And they are also uh, holding our kids accountable, too. So, so you got other people helping with that. But if you don't have accountability in your program, you're not going to have a strong culture. And kids know that line. They, they, they understand that line. But I'm telling you, you can preach culture all you want. But until you throw the accountability factor in, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. And, and, you know, here's the kicker. How are you going to hold that star player accountable as compared to that bench sitter? Right. Okay? Because I'm telling you, you know, you must hold all your kids accountable. And if you don't, you got a problem. Gene, uh, I want to talk some more about accountability, but something you just said struck a chord with me, the not giving an inch and knowing your culture. Uh, one of the things that I talk about in coaching is, and when I, I write a lot about this, is the importance of knowing who you are and what you believe. How do you guys do that? And I know you've been at it for a while, so now it may be so ingrained, but as a coach and as a staff, and I think this is relevant for um, for businesses and, and young coaches especially, but establishing with clarity who you're going to be as a program. Can you talk a little bit about how you guys do that? Because the last thing you want to do is be out there trying to make a decision and you don't really know which way you want to steer the ship, right? So you got to have all that stuff laid out. All your staff has to know it. Eventually all your players have to know it, but you got to be certain of it. I would think if you're going to be, if you're going to be guiding that every day. So what does that look like for you guys to make those decisions and then stick with them? We have clear expectations from the start. And uh, that goes from our parent meetings to, to everything that we do. Okay. This is, this is what we believe in. This is how we're going to do things. Um, even to the part of, Making sure that, that everybody knows what our non negotiables are. I mean, you know, we have, we have a couple of non negotiables. Body that's that's not that, that's not a set. Right. Not in our program. You know, because body language screams. Because guess what? Uh, I tell my kids all the time, I would rather you have enough guts to walk into my face and cuss me than roll my eye, roll your eyes at me. Because guess what? In your mind, that's what you're doing anyway. So, you know, I think that we start from day one. Uh, when we get our freshman class coming in, the first thing we do in the summertime is we start telling them our expectations. And this goes with from player conduct in the locker room to court conduct to teammate conduct to all these things. You know, we tell them from the very start. So we know we're not putting 30 girls together and it's going to all be unicorns and rainbows. Okay, we get that. But guess what? It isn't about if you like each other. It's about 
together as a team because that's life. I yeah. mean, you know, talking about corporations and all. Think how many times people don't really like their boss, but guess what? You, you find a way to, to get through and, and have, develop that relationship. And I have a lot of people talk about this all the time. And you know I am a in-your-face, tell-you-the-truth type person. Sure. And 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 I believe in it. I believe in being true for the kids and everything else. But this is one thing I learned really, really early. You can, cannot coach a kid hard. You cannot coach a kid hard or be true for them unless you have a relationship. Yeah. So one of the things that we start in is we start getting those kids to understand they want that we care about them more than a basketball player, that this is a journey that's going to prepare you for life, not just to get your, uh, try to make you get a college scholarship or an all-state player. It's more important than that. We want you to come out of our program being ready for the real game, which is the toughest game, and that's life. Mm. Because life isn't always fair, and good things don't always happen to good people. And you've got to know how to fight. You've got to know how to to dig, you got to know how to commit, and you got to know how to, to push through when things are not looking your way. So, you know, I think that's, I, I just think it's too. That's what we've lost in high school sports. We have really lost that sports in high school is there to prepare kids for life. And right. I have to always remind myself of that too, because sometimes, you know, we start thinking about these state championships. And, you know, I can't go into this, you know about it, but. You know, we build our culture here for four or five years, and all of a sudden, I let our culture fall, and I blame it on me because I lost my priorities of trying to look at some bigger things in the picture, national rankings and stuff like that, and really forgot who I was and what I was put on this earth to do, and that was to, to try to prepare kids for life. And yeah. so, you know, I know that we've kind of went around a lot from what the question you answered, but I still go back to when your expectations are laid out to, for your kids. And they're laid out for your parents. Uh, you know, it, it makes life easier when you when, when everybody knows what the expectations are and they know that you're not going to compromise on them. I've had parents, you know, that want to bring their kids to our school. People would be amazed at how many times I've sat in the office with parents and went, this may not be the place for your daughter. <laughs> because if you don't fit, if your daughter don't fit our culture, and if you as parents don't fit our culture, we're going to ask you. Because right. no, nobody's no more important than our culture. And people people get this, and it's a hard sell now in today's time, in today's society. It's a me, 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 and what can you do for my kid? It is a, it's a hard sell in our program. Yeah. God, so much good stuff there, Gene. Uh, okay, you talk about the balance between accountability and loving your kids. Uh, from my perspective, you can't be lukewarm on either one of those, right? If if you're going to have high account a high accountability, you got to have high love, right? And and vice versa. If you're if you're all accountability and and low on the love, then like you said, you can't, they're going to rebel, right? Um, Absolutely. And if you're all love and low on accountability, then then maybe you've you've got a bunch of nice kids, but um, you're not teaching them some of the most important lessons in life. Where do you think coaches? go wrong or sort of miss the mark when it comes to that? Like, what's the, why can't everybody do that? I think the compromise of it, I think it's easy sometimes to compromise, um, especially when it comes down to making some hard choices in coaching. Um, and I just think that, that every day you got a chance to go out and hold a kid accountable, but you also got, every day you got to go 
I should have kids to love them too. Yeah. And I think that that's something I try to make it a, a in our program, I think it's so important that our kids feel valued. I think it is, I learned this, I keep going with this because it's too long story. I learned from my own children and with my oldest son dealing with a really coaching situation. But after he went through that, I said, you know what, I went back to my staff and I said, I'm going to make sure that any kid that we have in our program, we find value for that kid. Mm-hmm. So if I've got a kid that uh, is never plays that much, but man, she's a great supporter on our team and supports and loves her teammates, I'm going to make sure that once a week, once every two or three days, I see Kid, I say, you know what? You're so important to our success. And that kid, that, that that's what they want. They want to have value. You know, not every kid can play score the points. And so, but if they feel a part of the team and they feel like they're doing things, they got to be more adapted to coming in and, and, and helping your program establish that culture, being a reflection of that culture. Yeah, I, I feel like one of the things that I'm, I'm I'm really impressed by spending some time there with the program is that there really was sort of a separation between, um, and maybe separation is not the right word because they're very much intertwined, but between the accountability on the basketball side and the, the love and care on the personal side, by the time, by the time we left the, you know, the floor and the, and the locker room, like post-practice, you know, it's not like they're not people when they're playing, but from that point on, it's like, again, the investment is all personal now, right? How can I put an arm around this kid? How can I check on them? And I really think that that, like you said, that's one of the big, the big reasons why the accountability piece works. So I've just been impressed that, that the staff has been able to, to do that so consistently. Yeah. Sometimes it's really hard to tell a kid the truth. Yeah. I mean, it really is, but if I'm out there and you know, and I, I've had kids, I've had to chew out price and get on it pretty hard. You can bet somewhere the next day I'm going to find that kid in the hall and still say, you know what, man? Yesterday was a rough day. Today's a new day. Let's drop it. Let's learn from it. Let's move on. You know, it's just little things that, that you can do that when you tear them down, you have to build them back up. And, you know, and, and, so, and here's the deal. That's where the problem is a lot of times. Is some people just want to tell kids the truth. I said it's a terrible down. That's not what I'm talking Sure, no, but, I get it. But honest with them. And, and these kids have unrealistic expectations now. And, you know, sometimes you just got to say, hey, listen, you're not working hard enough. You're better than this. Right. And, you know, like I said, to have that truthful relationship, I think that, or have that truthful conversation, you got to have that relationship with that kid and they got to trust you. Because, you know, I've seen this in, in our leadership and administration and everything else. People don't get that they're not going to trust you to do the things that you're trying to get them to do unless that relationship's there. Mm. And trust is the key. Yeah. God is, is such a key. Yeah. And, and hearing the truth is part of that, right? And trusting that you care about them is part of that, right? All those things you're saying, that, that helps build that trust. Hey, Gene, so you mentioned the fundamental the fundamentals being a, um, a huge part of your success and you've got something called breakfast club. Can you give a brief synopsis of that for the listeners? Yeah, I think breakfast club is one of our big foundations of our program. Uh, breakfast club started for me back in Brookwood because of, of uh, I would have kids there that they always would tell me they want to work out, but whenever I'd open a gym or whatever, it was always too busy, bad excuse, whatever. 
there. So back then when I was a little bit crazier around Bay and all, I said, okay, uh, here's what we're going to do. Since you have all this obligations you have to do, I said, uh, meet me here at, at uh, school at 630. And so Webster started out with about four kids in Brookwood uh, at 6.30 in the morning where we worked on fundamentals. And Brooks Club is is pretty much offensive skill development fundamentals. Kids are not going to come in and do defensive slides in, in the summertime. At, at 6.30. At 6.30, they're not doing that. Or rebounding drills. But they will work on ball handling. They will work on, you know, shooting and, and all those types of things. So what, what we did with it, it, it evolved. And now it's become, like I said, for 30 years been the foundation. So every day in the month of June, Monday through Friday, we have from 7 to 9, we have breakfast club. Well, here at Buford now, our average number of kids from probably fifth grade, and we, we don't put a grade or an age on it. If a kid can do it, it's fine. But we we probably average 70-some kids in the gym wow. every morning, Monday through Friday. And what's great is now we've got our culture that we always talk about in place. When our older kids are out there doing and leading, and when you've got a sixth grader and they look up at a junior or senior that's out there just working their butts off, doing it the right way, uh, they want to be like a kid. So you don't have any problems. Now, uh, this sounds crazy, but you know we have so many people that want to do it that we have to make sure that we understand that, that these kids understand that culture. When you come in, it is a work culture. It isn't a play culture. It is. Not, it is. I, I tell them we sit in practice. This is training. Okay. Little girl soccer teams go practice. Right. We go train. So you know they know that the expectations there, and if they don't meet the expectations, we say, "Listen, it's time. You don't need to come back." Yeah. Uh, until you until you want to meet these expectations, and but it's amazing that. If you come in there, now we got all our coaches. Uh, we will have probably anywhere, sometimes the boys coaches help out with it and all, but we'll have eight to ten coaches in there and seven kids. And man, it's not clockwork. This yeah. is, uh, it's a good thing to see. And you got, um, and that was one of my first introductions to you was um, was coming and observing Breakfast Club, watching what you guys you guys were doing. And I mean, I'm assuming even when, when I was there, people were always coming in and out with their notebooks and taking notes and watching. What I mean, it's it's not a secret, right? I mean, tons of people have seen what y'all do. What keeps the success from from translating? Not that it hasn't for anyone, but what would be the hurdle if I come and watch what you're doing? I take notes, take it back to my program. We're gonna do this. What's the hurdle from from that taking uh, taking root in my program? Easy accountability. Mm. A great example of that is we have a boys assistant coach here in West Parker, great guy, he's a great guy, like a brother. He watched my breakfast club probably 12 years ago at a club, and he told me the story. So he was in a small private school, went back, and you know he tried to do it and all that. Then when he came to Buford and he started helping me, he would he would talk about this. Now I know exactly how I messed up. He says. That breaks club, y'all hold these kids so much more accountable than what we did. And we just let them kind of do it their way. And so the results were not there. And that's so what we talk about when we talk about practice and that's accountability. Man, if a kid ain't low, we're on that kid. If a kid ain't doing it this speed, we're on this kid. If a kid, we see the potential of this kid and they're not trying to reach it, we're, we're, you, you got to be better. 
so it goes back to you can it isn't what you do right. And I've said mm-hmm. this for many times. It is not what you do. Everybody does a lot of the same stuff. It's how you do it that goes to separate. Yeah, that's so true. What what advice would you give uh, to a young coach today, Gene? Just getting started, you know, trying to get their foot in the door, whatever their aspirations are. Any specific advice you would say, hey, this is this is what I see and how I think you should approach this career? It's tough now because I'm training my own son. Uh, he's been in five years. And, you know, Kobe, he's been having basketball in his hand since time he could walk. Yeah. Just, he's going to be, you know, prepping him for when I ride off the sunset yeah. and take over and everything else. So I'm always working with him and trying to get him to understand that, man, the, the environment has changed so much. It's going to continue to change. And, and, you know, as coaches, I've had to learn a hard lesson for me has been I have had to, I don't want to say change, I say adapt mm. without compromising. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And, and, and I, I don't want to change what I do, but you have to adapt. Without compromising, I love that. Without compromising. And and so now, probably for younger coaches, I, I think that they have a, it's easy for Gene Gurdon to go in and be this accountability person because people have seen success. So, you know, with, with that, a lot of times I can't cross what I've done because I've been successful. With a younger coach, a lot of times that hadn't had that success, they can challenge. Right. So, you know, I think it's really tough on younger coaches now to get a profession <clears throat> and hold on to their values and hold on to being that person you are. I just think that they've got to get in and they've got to understand that they're going to make mistakes and make mistakes, try to grow, try to get around as many successful people as you can. I think that's a, uh, we have at Buford the coaches that we have in our, in our sports program that success in Texas. Probably you couldn't recall, you couldn't look anywhere in the United States and have the, the individual coaches. When I came one of my biggest things that I did was I went to all these different programs and tried to pull from them, learn, make me better. Right. You'd be amazed at how many young coaches that we have at Beaver that have all these great opportunities for mentors that people will share with them and do that. They don't take advantage of Yeah. And so I think one of the best things that younger coaches can do is find people who's done it well, develop your philosophies, find people who's done these philosophies right way and go spend time and learn from yeah. and I, I do that right now uh, I, I'm, I can't wait to try to get with people and try we, we were about to get moving to a new classification moving up 6 A's great programs and it's going to be a 6 A probably best in Georgia from top to bottom we're already looking at redoing a lot of our stuff to meet those needs we got to grow up we got to get better right. and I'm making a list I was wearing a list today how our footwork's got to get better, how we get getting stronger in the weight room, how we've got to have better uh, situations with our passing. And, and so, you know, a, a mindset of growth, I think, will help younger coaches and get with people that's done it and love it. I think that really helps. You mentioned some of the young coaches either not being interested or willing to do that. There's a part of me that's, when I look at the landscape right now, and it's not just basketball, 
but when I look at the landscape of youth sports in general, there's a part of me that's concerned about what I see foundationally, but you talk about your success, but I think you'd be the first one to say that you're not measuring that in state championships as much as you are the way that you're, y'all are running your program. I think the measure of success to me sometimes worries me. What, what a lot, you talk again, talk about culture, what the culture says success is today uh, concerns me a little bit. Is is that fair? Do you see the same thing when you see coaches who, when they're wading into this, you know, this current landscape? Absolutely. Uh, I did a training not long before the coaches in Carroll County. And one thing I talked about with this was, I'm not worried about the players. I'm worried about the coaches. Because yeah. coaches are going to set a standard for players. Everybody now talks about all the players and this, all the players, they don't listen, they don't do this. No. Players are not going to do what coaches told them to come with. Right. And so I worry a lot more about younger coaches than I do about the landscape of the players. Yeah. That's 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 what the key is. That's why right now I'm trying to give back anything that we do. I, I'm giving to anybody. I, I spend time with younger coaches all the time because I know it's going to be a struggle for them in this landscape. And I want to be there to try to mentor and help them if I can. Because, you know, the way I came up as a coach is totally different. And so you have to be able to navigate a whole lot more booby traps out there and a whole lot more uh, situations you can fall into and traps and everything else. And so that's why I said you need to get with older coaches that's been there a while. I think that is huge, huge to me. Yeah. Gene, what do you think uh, is next or is the future for – the Buford Lady Wolves and Gene Durden, what do you see on y'all's horizon? I just hope we can continue to grow. Uh, our success has been, it's been a, a fantasy almost. You, you, you mentioned something earlier, I want to take one step back, of how that people look at successful programs. It sounds so crazy. One of the ways we measure success is how many of our kids come back to mm. I know that sounds so crazy, but when a kid's done with high school, there's no reason for to come back. Right. And we are, and it's amazing how every game we're going to have two or three of our alumni. State championship game this past year, I had I had a football player that I coached at Brookwood 32 years wow. ago to play football. He was a, I had Three kids from Dayton County. Was I had uh, I had an unbelievable amount of kids from Buford. So when kids come back, I'm not talking about state championship games. That's easy, but come back to practice when they come back to your program, you're doing it right because those kids don't have a reason unless the relationship stands, unless they truly value that relationship. And so you know, so many people are chasing state championships and all, and I get that. But they have one one team in every classification. To and, you know, we've been lucky enough to uh, – I'm proud we won our state championships, but I'm more proud that we have played for like 10 in the last 12, that we've done some other stuff. But as far as our program in the future, we're going to continue to grow. We're going to try to continue to prepare kids for life. And we're going to do it one way, and that's not my way or the kids' way. That's the right way, and because that's what it's supposed to be about. Uh, 
Gene, as we wrap up, I want to share a couple of thoughts. I, I mean, I've, I learned, I, I wish I could, could have stayed with you for, for a whole lot longer. I, I learned so much in my year there at Buford and with you. Um, and one of those things I still tell people, in fact, I, I'm training a guy now, one of my, my old high school JV coach, uh, we, both of our kids were playing rec basketball and he started talking about his son needing to improve his shot and to practice over the summer instead of just play all the time. And my first thought was what you guys do in, in breakfast club. And I told him about it. I said, you know, this is where, this is the secret sauce that everyone is, you know, looking for and, and often not willing to do is this, you know, this program does fundamentals every day during the summer. It's why they're good. And that was one of the things I, and I, I told that story when I was um, for years, when people would kind of ask about Buford, it's like, Hey, there, there's no secret, right? The secret is that and largely, and I, don't, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but largely they're just working harder than most people. And their kids are doing that from grade, you know, three up. You got these kids in breakfast club just working their rear ends off. So that was one of the big things I took away was the secret, quote in, in quotes, is the work, you know, that's it. And the other thing, uh, and I don't even know if you you know this story, but I'm sure it won't it won't shock you. I so I was I was at Buford for a year. And I didn't even, I coached uh, Tatum Shipes. Am I saying that name right? I, I coached Tatum Shipes for like a handful of games in the summer, right? Because I think Tatum maybe ended up playing volleyball that year. I don't know if she ever came back into the program, but, um, and, and I, well, I know she did because this is where the story goes. But I, I coached Tatum, Tatum, it's like so few times. Um, and to the point where I, I wouldn't even think that she would remember who I was. So then I come back, I bump into you um, later, maybe after I'd gone on, uh, gone on somewhere else. I don't remember, but I bump into you guys uh, in a summer game and Tatum comes running up to me after I had spoken to you. She saw me and comes running up to me just to say hello. Like, again, that connection of program just to speak to me because I had at one point been a part of Buford and I, I was blown away by that when I went and got back in my car is just her her desire to come as a high school kid, right? To come and make an effort to speak to me simply because we had shared this Buford experience for a minuscule amount of time made such an impression on me. That to me says that the culture and the, the fact that you guys say family and together, that's real. Um, so I, I want to commend you on that because that – as much as I admire you as a coach, that that piece right there to me is is one of the most impressive things. Well, just what we talked about earlier, you started and developed a relationship with kids, right? And that's what's important to kids. And you know, like I said, you just need to know this that that as much as as you say our program or me or whatever gave you, you gave just as much to us. There's not probably a week that don't go by where Melissa Green and Jeff Osmond or one of us don't mention your name and the contributions you made. And that's, but Brian, that's what we're talking about. Is we're talking about using people and using your strengths to, to strengthen sure. yourself. And, you know, I, I say it all the time that I've just been blessed to be able to put me on the right path, the right school, and the right people and with me. You know, half of our success is something that I talk about with, with people all the time is I've got a staff with me 
that believe in what we're doing, but I've got two coaches that we 14 years. I mean, uh, I've got two young coaches now that I've been a teenagers last year come up to me and say, Coach, can, can we talk to one of your sisters about being head coach? I said, sure. I will, and that's what they want. I go tell them about the coach. We, 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 won't, we won't be right here. And when you've got that kind of loyalty and you've got that kind of work and you've got that kind of people pouring into kids, because it's not just me, it's all these other people. Melissa Green's, you know, my gosh, I tell this all the time. Melissa Green's job is one of the most important we got. She not only teaches kids how to be a basketball player, more importantly, she teaches our girls how to be young women. Okay? How important is that? Melissa Green's going to hold them accountable, not for a jump shot only. But how they conduct themselves in, in the hallways of our school, how how, how they're going to dress, how they're going to do. Okay, I tell I tell the girls all the time. I say, I teach you how to be a pretty good basketball player, and I teach you about being a person. And I can teach about being a woman. Right. And here's Melissa Green. That's what her job is. So it's a whole lot of people that's poured into it, and I'm just blessed to have all these people in my life. And Gene, uh, it's a, it's an honor to have worked with you, and it's an honor to to call you a friend. I appreciate you taking the time to share um, your story and your program story, the encouragement that uh, it really is about people and the investment that you're making there. I know that um, the people who tune into this show will get some encouragement from here and from that. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Listen, I miss you, brother. I, I, I appreciate the time we got to spend together. You know, I don't know who listens to your podcast, but they need to know if I can ever help them. They can contact me, email, whatever. And, and like I said, I'm at a stage and all I want to do is give back to things that's been so good to me. And there's nothing that we do that's a secret. We share everything. You know, I spend time with coaches all the time. So if anybody ever needs, wants to talk basketball, because I don't tell you what you need to do. I just throw things out there to make you think. So, you know, like I said, I just, it's, it's somewhat honored. I spent an honor to be on your show, and, and I appreciate it so much. I hated the hard kick playing, but, you know, that's people, that's people trying to, I guess, trying to get in touch with me, I guess. All right, Gene, thank you so much, and uh, I look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for tuning in for another session of Extraordinary Joes with today's special guest, Gene Durden. Hope you could tell from our conversation that Gene really is an ordinary guy who's done extraordinary things with his life simply by sharing his gifts and helping lead young women to a foundation of success they can use for the rest of their lives. He really is great at what he does, and it's an honor to speak with him today. Hope you learned some things from our show. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon. You can share sh- social media links when they come out. Um, if you're an iTunes listener, I'd love it if you go to iTunes, sling some stars our way, maybe leave a review. That'd be great. Uh, either way, I'm honored that you are listening at all. And I hope you'll continue to do so as we hear the extraordinary stories of ordinary people, just like you and me. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to talking to you next time.